This is Mouth Media Network, audio for business. On a 1 to 10 scale of moronic, this program is a 19,412 and three-fifths. So, if you're into that sort of thing, buckle up. This is Funny People Talking. Hi, I'm Robert Galinsky, and I'd rather change the diaper and run a fine-tooth comb through Donald Trump's hair than listen to funny people talking. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Funny People Talking. Funny People Talking. That's right. That's how this whole show is going to be. I'm going to say something, and then my friend Kathy is going to echo what I say. I'm going to echo what you say. Oh, another echo. Wow. Where did that echo come from? Who could that be? Anyway, welcome to the show, everybody. So glad you're here. Uh, I'm Mark Rakel, one of your hosts, and very sadly, sort of, and I'll explain. Danielle's not here with us this particular show. I murdered her. That's right. That's her friend Kathy. <laughs> Kathy, no, Searle. we miss you, Danielle. We do miss you, Danielle. But your absence has created an opportunity for us to spend more time with one of our previous guests and delightful person that we now call to call a friend, Kathy Searle, actress. Oh, hello. Yes, Hello, I am an actor. Who, who, who laughed her way? Oh, gosh, through I her did. Episode. I think we called the episode um, "Most Laughs Per Second or something like that. Oh, it was insane. I mean, I looked really like was, a crazy person. If you want to check out very, the video of me fun. laughing, it was really fun. Yeah. So anyway, uh, welcome to the show again. Thank Kathy, you glad for to having have you. me. Yay. I'm so excited to be here. Um, and uh, also, of course, with us is our good friend and producer Elsie. Hello, Elsie. Hi. You hanging in there today? Yeah. Okay. Elsie's the coolest person ever. She's really very, very cool. You're, 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 you're secure in your coolness. I saw you, I saw you, you brought... you say some, so. Okay. She just owns that, you guys. I, I saw you brought some cat litter in here. Is that for none of your business? No, that's end of show food. I already told you that. <laughs> and I already took a piss in it, so... I've, and you know what? I realized... Extra flavor. You don't yeah. smell it. And I had asparagus. Can't so. believe... Imagine how many chickens that's going to get. <laughs> if you don't understand what we're talking about, come to the end of the show and you'll see. Anyway, <laughs> all, also with us in the studio, sincerely, if if I think I'm delighted that Kathy's here with us, I, I might be doubly delighted at who our guest is. His name is Robert Galinsky. The man is, an, a, the man is an actor. The man is a TEDx speaker. The man is a TEDx coach. He's taught a reality TV school. Um, he's been part of running one of the staples of being an actor in New York, other than being on Law & Order, which is participating in the Manhattan Monologue Slam. Uh, he and his brother, Philip, Philip mm-hmm. uh, created that. Is yep. that still running? <clears throat> yep. Doing it as a seminar and, and competition. That's now. amazing. I, How many I, years? National Monologue Slam. Uh, I think it's 10 years. I think it's at That's least 10 years. It might be more. I'm glad, it's got to be more. 13? Well, yeah. I, I did it when I first came to New York as an actor a couple 55? times. 55? Wow. <laughs> That's true. 1955. That's what I meant. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And uh, I did you ever participate in it? I Kathy? never did. I never did. But I knew so many people that did and talked about how great it was. Cool. I was Great. one of the finalists or whatever yeah. it is, and one of the one of the one of them. But it was a yeah. lot of fun. Anyway, so uh, but but also, uh, Robert is currently starring in an incredible production. He's got a lot of great attention uh, that he also wrote. Yep. and you yes. produce it or you co-produce it. I uh, co-produced it. Terry Schnook is my executive producer. 
called The Bench. Yes. And uh, we'll let uh, Robert unpack this, but essentially, as I understand it, is a way to get a a good lens into homelessness Mm -hmm. uh, by by telling uh, stories and experiences uh, through a narrative uh, that happens in or around a park bench as a mechanism for telling the story. Uh, And I immensely underserved it and simplified it, but we'll talk about it more. So that's running right now in Los Angeles, and at least as we're recording this. Um, and I should. But also- I nerded out because he just gave us a little uh, little snippet of excitement. It will be in New York in October, October fifth, October fifth at the United Solo Festival. Oh, yes. that's fantastic! And, and also, by the way, I should mention before we go because I don't want to forget uh, Robert Galinsky of Galinsky Coaching announces a three day theater residency at Rikers Island Jail. Yeah. Well, that's incredible. Bringing his theater workshop called Unscripted Leadership. Uh, and can I can I just say salute. Yeah. That's Grazie. super cool. I love the idea of taking the thing we talked about this on the show a lot. A part of the essence of this show isn't just to goof around, it's to talk about the nature of comedy and humor and and its different ways of being used and being approached and its meaning and 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 so forth. Everything from in acting to stand up to helping talk about um, depression to ways that you can educate and inspire. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, good for you, man. So, thanks, man. Uh, thanks for everything that you do. And uh, I know I've, I've personally been a recipient of some of what you've done. And so glad to have you here. Anyway. Thank you. Blah, blah, blah. And it was enough. great to be, to have you on our stage on at the Slam. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Shmoopy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, before we get started, we have a great show. Not only are we going to talk about Robert and with Robert and unpack Robert and learn about Robert and lots of Robert going on. Yeah. And uh, we get to enjoy that with Kathy. Uh, mm-hmm. But and we're also going to play a, a brand new improv game. Excellent. And nobody's played before. And uh, also, uh, I want to get to know Kathy a little bit, uh, what's happened since we've last talked to her. Uh, mm-hmm. There may have been some things happening. Um, but first. Yes. I have a question for you. Yes. And I will have an answer. I noticed when you walked in here. Yes. Two things about you. How good I looked. Well, <laughs> stop it. Keep it, going. It, truthfully, you're wearing this incredible leopard print dress. I sure am. Made and from real leopards. Of course. PETA uh, loves me. Uh, they do. <laughs> Kidding. But aside from, from that, Amazon, guys. I noticed that you are carrying with you nine IV bags. Yes. I was wondering about that. Yeah, I'm not sure. And it seems like an, uh, carrying one IV bag around at all seems, mm-hmm. you know, well, there's a story you... about nine. You know, I really think that it was an explanation. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There's actually a port. I'm going to just lift up my skirt and you can see my port. <gasps> Ooh, nice. Um, I am a, a huge fan of vitamin drips. And I feel that, you know, we should always be giving ourselves enough B12 mm-hmm. and uh, Toradol. You know, it's good for the throat. I have a little laryngitis right now. So, yeah, I just hook up my my IV bags and, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of extra weight. But by the end of this podcast, it's uh, they're going to be empty. You know, it's funny. I actually just saw a uh, some girl, a, a girl like a a girl or a young teenager, mm-hmm. got some sort of won some sort of prize or something for making a 
like knit bear or something that goes around IV bags so that children, like cancer patients who are getting IVs, feel more comfortable oh, with the great. IV bags. Oh, I love that. I think that's really cool. So, I, you know, I, I guess I turned well, this I go- guess... goofy moment into a touching little... No, that's beautiful, but I will get that for my IV bags so it'll just look like nine bears just coming out of my... That's technically my vagina because it's it's on my legs. I was, so. I, more comfortable saying portal. Yeah. yeah, I thought portal yeah. was the word. Yeah, it's narrower than I thought. Yeah, I would imagined. Yeah, so. no, it's. I mean, you know, take a good look at it. It's really cool. Really take that in. Now, as you get these different <clears throat> bag bear well, bags, bag yeah, yeah. bears. Yeah. Uh, are they going to look? What kind of bears are they going to look like? Are they going to look like the three bears? Are they going to look like the Charmin bears? They're going to look like the Charmin bears. I'm a huge fan of the Charmin nice. bears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, matter of fact, I think there's a little tissue on the. Oh yeah, on the there's a, just yeah. on the yeah. I just is I, that Charmin? I had, a, had a little accident. Is yeah, Charmin? absolutely. You should get them as a sponsor, perhaps. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, that would I mean, be amazing. You, show, you wear it well. Thank you so much. I do. I'd like to wear like a little Charmin skirt. Mm, Charmin IV bag covers. Are yeah. you able to name all of the things that are in your different bags? Uh, yes, there is vitamin B, uh, vitamin C, vitamin A, B12. Uh, to turmeric. both B and B12, which yes. is nice. Uh, turmeric was number five. Uh, um... <laughs> oh, that's sick. That's sick. <laughs> that's got a sting. That's sick. That's, uh, yeah, the, so it, you only have three more. It's burning a little bit. Does that have its own individual right... port? <laughs> <laughs> I also have a little melatonin, so I may fall asleep during mm-hmm. this podcast, but it's totally normal. I threw a little CBD as well, so we're, ah. this is going to be a good show. I'd love uh, if one of them actually had port in the bag. Yeah. Putting port in your port? That's the ninth one. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. port wine. Little nice. port wine because, Sweet. you know. Takes a stand. If, you're ever going, if, you, if you're ever going for a tenth, uh, yes. go CBGBs. Oh, that's fantastic. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Beautiful. It's vintage too, guys. Mm. All right. Before we get started with the show proper, yes. a question. Usually at this point in the show, Danielle yes. uh, has a nerd tip for us. Nerd and I don't want to – I know. I don't want to – I don't want to put you on the spot, but if I can put you on the spot, is there any way you could conjure a nerd tip? Yeah. Just a tip. Nerd tip. Guys, get ready. The federal agency suggests 10-year Burning Man attendance cap, you guys. This is a dead on impression of Danielle like like Not at all. like exaggerated but like like a, No that's impression. my that's my like pretending to be a millennial which so I'm funny. not By the way Danielle, if you don't feel that was an impression of you I really apologize <laughs> but it, it's out low. No you guys no it's they're going to cap it it's currently 80,000 people and they're going to cap it at 100,000 at Burning Man <laughs> Literally literally Like that's according to edmtunes.com you guys Wow. Like, what am I going to do? Only 100,000 of my friends are going to be able to go. I'm really sad. That's like one-tenth of your followers? Or like I one, know. One, one Seriously, like what are we going to do, you guys? I can't. You know what you should do? You should post a bunch of selfies with the different emotions, the different feels that you'll have about it. Then oh, my gosh. All the There's feels. just going to be poop emojis. <laughs> it's all going to be poops. <laughs> I think we talked about that on our last uh, episode, the origin of the poop emoji. Elsie had quite a nice little diatribe on that. Did you trace it back to cave paintings? I don't think that no. the Is that an actual was fact? That's where they come from, from cave paintings, actually. That well, is, I mean, I, you know what? Listen, I'm going to believe you. Yeah. He's also got I a bridge come to on, sell I didn't come Brooklyn. on Mark's show to lie. I'll tell well, you that. Now, <laughs> I, I should say that caves are what they call the cubicles at Apple headquarters. But right. still. Yeah, right. Right. That's where they originate. All right, uh, let's get started. Do me a favor, would you, Kathy? Yes. Tell me to start the show. 
Start the damn show. Okay. We're funny people. Let's start the show. All right, I'm going to start it now. Did the comedy Stop start yet? Talking. <laughs> From the Mouth Media Network studios in New York City, and from the same people who brought you Monkey Radio with Mark, this is Funny People Talking with Mark Rako, Danielle Beckman, and Elsie. All right, here we are, Funny People Talking. It's Kathy, me, Elsie, and Robert. Uh, yo, yo, and uh, shout out to our Mouth Media Intern in the room, Emily. Hi, Emily. Glad Hello. to have you here. Hello, Emily. Emily, Generation Z. What That's up? Right. Oh, oh, oh. Representing Iowa. <laughs> That's right. She actually is. I know. All right. So before we go forward, um, um, I do want to get a piece of business out of the way. We must do our appeal to Tina Fey. Every episode, uh, our one goal in life, no other goals, just this one, is to get Tina Fey on this show either as a an actual guest, as a call-in, as a pre-recorded message, as some connection with the show. And our method to this is just to call out to the comedy gods, throw it out to the universe. You never know who will hear. You never know how it moves the universe. Funny things can happen on Funny People Talking. You never know. So uh, let's just appeal to the comedy gods. I'm going to do it. I think Elsie will play along. I would love Kathy and Robert. Yes. If I have a, like I have a thought. If you want me to share it. Yes, yeah, we could smell the wood burning. That's so, sure. so funny. Um, I would go through her mom, Zenobia. Her mom, I met her at a, a fundraiser where we were tasked with making 1,000 peanut butter sandwiches in a two-day period. And I hit it off with her. She was there for about an hour and a half. She's always giving and loving. And her mom, Zenobia, and I, Zenobia, and I hit it off and over peanut butter sandwiches. And I think that's the way to get to Tina's heart is through her mom. Wow. I think that you is don't You don't still have connectivity with her, do you? I've got, I mean, of course I do. Yeah. Well. I've got crust from the day. <laughs> you know, saved it. You saved it. Well, um, if we ever get an opportunity to connect with her mom, uh, we'll isolate one of these uh, appeals to Tina Fey and provide that as a sound clip mm-hmm. just to show. And off mic, I can tell you, Robert, at some point, there, there's a specific story as to why Tina Fey. I've had five near misses with her oh. that, that – I should have been working with her and oh. Kathy has worked with her uh, and I, I just have to close the circle. So gotcha. um, it's just, anyway, so you're um, one degree away from Tina. Fey. I am one. De- no, I've actually um, stood near her. Really? I, and she looked at me, but yeah. I didn't actually. And that makes you closer than a degree. Yeah. Eye contact is huge. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, it's eye contact. Well, did, I don't... did you make eye contact or was she just looking at you? I think it was, <laughs> I made eye contact like, please love me. And hers was like, ew, you disgust me. But yeah, well, then that's great. That's great. <laughs> probably not. That's probably not what she you was thinking. It's a start. She, she probably was trying to run lines with her head and I distracted her. But, you know. Because um, she was distracted by your beauty. By you. Clearly. Yes. Your karma. Yes. Your essence. Show's it's over, good. everybody. Thanks a lot. That's, that's <laughs> all I needed. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's do our appeal to Tina Fey. I'll lead off. Oh, universe, please, we need Tina Fey on the show. Please join us. Please Tina Fey, we love you so much. So Just a moment of time, please. Please, Tina Fey, appealing to the gods. Come on the show, we want you. 
Bob Manzanobia. Thank you. Oh, tag. <laughs> uh-huh. So, um, anyway, thank you very much, everybody. So, I'm going to throw it over to Kathy for a moment. Okay. I've seen in a while. Ooh, I just got hit with it. Ouch. Ouch. I mean, so how's that part? So, oh, it's delightful. Uh, I haven't seen it in a bit. I know. It's been a hot second. Show, yeah. Hot second. And I'm kind of curious. You, you had a lot to say when we were together, but. Sure what, did. What, what, what's been happening? Anything interesting that uh, we should know about? You know, I'm just hustling, living my life. I'm dating. Yeah. I nice. know. Well, hey, oh, what's happened? I'm off the market, guys. Really? That's Wait. awesome. Dude. Yeah, it is. Isn't dating on the market or you're dating no, one I'm person? No, I'm off the market now. You're I'm dating, dating one person. person. Congratulations. Yeah. Does he you. know? No. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what makes it even better. I know. You can do it as long as you want. Exactly. <laughs> no issue it's at all. so hot. Congratulations. No. Uh, yeah. I, I shot a commercial um, with Clive Owen, but I didn't work with Clive Owen. I worked with a C-stand. That mm-hmm. I had to respond to, mm-hmm. um, which was really fun. So I, I feel like... They didn't like, even give you a ping pong ball? No, nope, they mean, had uh, a very handsome body double for him, but nope, nice. it was a C-stand. So What's his body double like? It's, oh, he was very handsome. Oh, my God. Looked just like him. Um, but that's yeah, fun. that's yeah, commercials, voiceovers, thank the Lord. Good for you. And uh, screening a little movie at uh, the Soho Film Festival nice. called Love and Kielnary Congratu- this weekend. Congratulations. Thank you so much. You've thank been you. feeling good? Uh, I mean, I have a weird laryngitis thing happening because the pollen count is very high right now. And her and the air quality. Ten bags. And my IV bags are not well, helping. Ten bags. Huh. Yeah. I, I like a <laughs> well, 20 bag, but ten sure. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, okay, that's cool. How are um, you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. <laughs> um, I will tell you that, uh, you know, it's really funny. Given, given like improv and everything, I just threw one at you and you missed it totally. Did I? Oh, well, that's what happens, guys. It's been a long day. Uh, <laughs> you feeling good? I'm feeling great. Have you always felt good every minute? Every minute of the day. Even when you eat food? Especially when I eat food. I feel <laughs> orgasmic when I eat food. Have you ever had food poisoning? <laughs> okay, so here's the story. Listen, guys, I, you know, do we want to get graphic here? Yes. So I had a bout of food poisoning this weekend. So I'm on a diet, which is great, guys. It's super fun. I highly recommend it. Um, and it's a meal plan. And I decided it was a cheat night. So I ordered a taco salad from a place I've never tried that had ground <sighs> beef in it. It was called Don't Get Your Tacos Here. <laughs> it was pretty com. much. It probably had a C rating. Um, but I, you know, listen, it was coming out both ends at the same time, which thank God to live in a small New York city apartment where you can do that at mm-hmm. the same time. Um, but I'm down to my goal weight. So I feel really good about <laughs> well, that. It's a type of diet. For I feel like we're always, you know, one food poisoning away from our goal weight. So I'm grateful for that. I will fit into my dress this weekend. So thank you. C rated taco restaurant. That's unfair. It's really unfair that someone can do that. What, what? How do you prove it even? You can't. I you mean, know. you know, it's... Unless you're eating... If you're beef. eating in their restaurant, it happens. Yes. And maybe you can... But a food poisoning, some, it, they say it takes like anywhere from four to six hours, and it was like oh. six hours to the moment oh. that that ground beef touched my mouth. Was oh, the guy okay. you're dating around? <laughs> no, thank the Lord, because that would have been an interesting mm-hmm. night. Can, you, can I just ask you this? Were the tacos yeah. good? It was good, but there it did taste a little weird. But because I've only been eating these certain meals, 
everything tastes good yeah. to me. Oh. I'm like, oh, it's carbs and chips. Like, it's just disgusting. I'm a human garbage can when I get around food that is not part of my meal plan. So, Gotcha. Now, let me ask you both, because both of you are regularly acting. And, yes. And in particularly, you, Robert, you, you, you're regularly performing. And it's a one-man show, right? Yes. So you, you know, you got people who have paid tickets. You got to be feeling good that day. Yes. And when you don't, you still go on mm-hmm. unless you're like on a stretcher mm-hmm. and they still try to figure out a way to cart you on that, that stage. So might, or you at least want to, cause you don't want to let people down and right. all that stuff. So how do you both kind of maintain the ability to do that? Cause I'm fascinated by like Broadway performers that have been performing for like three years in the same part and they're eight shows a week and they very rarely take a break and they are just, and you know, if you, if, if you miss too many shows, you get fired and mm-hmm. unless you're like the big celebrity or something. And I don't know how these people make sure they feel good enough to perform every single day. You know, it's not a pot shot. What, how do you I, manage yourself? Well, I haven't had the eight show a week slog yet yeah which is i it, i asked the same question but there are times where i'm either feeling blue yeah or sick but a lot of times it's more like oh blue but for some reason um i look the way i look at acting is and i know this is going to sound high and mighty but i look at it like honoring the stories of the people that i'm on stage for yeah and so i go nothing's going to get in the way of me dishon- you know, honoring them. I would be dishonoring them if I used my sadness or my sickness. And I think also people, people in general rise to the occasion. You know, athletes, I always compare it to athletics. Athletes may be sick in the afternoon, but they go out there and have a, an incredible game. And then they go and fall down and be exhausted after. And I think the same thing for me with acting. It just I rise to the occasion. Yeah, the adrenaline kicks in. Yeah. I've actually had food poisoning three times when I had to shoot commercials where I was eating or drinking. I mean, it was it's awful, but your body just knows you got to pay the bills yeah. like, or right. you have to honor the characters. It's yeah. it really is. It's fascinating. The body will follow because your mind goes, wait, I have to be in the zone. And, yeah. and then at some point for me, too, it's like uh, as much as it may be scary and daunting to go out there under those conditions. Yeah. It's then, oh, thank God I'm not sick. I got an hour and a half of being free and alive again. And then I go back to being me and sick. Yeah. yeah Isn't that bizarre though? Yeah. Like right at the end, you do, you sort of collapse and right. you're just like, ugh. Yeah. And you're probably sicker than you would have been if you had just oh, been consistently yeah. sick because your body pens up. It's an amazing thing. And and people that go out and they like actually can't control and they are like really you know, vomiting or whatever. I've seen plenty of people like go on stage, sing their number, walk off, puke, and then you come puke. back. Yeah. You know. uh, there's a story about Yul Brunner doing that on Broadway where he was in I don't, The King and I and he was sick as a dog and he would walk off the stage and the stage manager had a bucket there and he'd puke his brains out and then boom, just walk right back out and rock out the scene. Yeah. Um, so another story about Malkovich when he was in the Steppenwolf was the curtains rising and they're like, where's John? No one could find him. Where's John? No one could find him. And then finally they found him taking a nap under the makeup table oh my God. in the dressing room. <laughs> and so they wake him up. They go, John, come on, you got to go. And he just stepped out on stage like he had done like an, you know, an incredible warm up and just blew everybody away once again. Yeah. But he was just taking a nap, I fell asleep. That. Amazing. You know, I wonder about all sorts of professions like that. I mean, I think about like s- subway drivers. Yeah. Like, that's a long road. There's no bathroom in those cabs. Mm -hmm. You're stuck. And I realize you can always get off at a station. But, you know, 
getting off and going to the bathroom aren't the same the thing. Same so thing. You, no. still, you still have to go to Especially the bathroom. Especially if you're yeah. having a rough day. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, well, I mean, seriously, it's like, you know, you're, you're trying. It's like. What about um, Tina Fey? How do you think she handles it? Um, she hires someone to do it for her. Okay. Yeah. I'm guessing. I'm, I was wondering this cause I got, I flew in from LA last night. Sounds so fun. Um, got in at six this morning. Ooh, even, but that's, yeah. that's really great. And I'm watching the guy at the TSA. Oh, I thought you had red glasses on. Those are your eyes. Yeah, those are my eyes. <laughs> the TSA. I'm like, how long's the shift? You got to look at all of these silhouettes. I know. Of what's going on in the luggage. Well, yeah. eventually in their heads, just, you, you, the music plays. As the X-rays go by, and they're just, you know, wild eyes. But they probably switch roles. They probably very do, yeah. Fast. They probably do like half hour yeah. shifts, switch a roll, half hour shift. Yeah. Right. Do the pat down, then, you know, look yeah. at the machine. Yeah. Yeah. At least to mix Otherwise, it up. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, there'd be a lot more planes going down. Yeah. No, I don't envy that job. That is not a – what job wouldn't you want? Um, well, when I first moved to New York, I remember 42nd Street had all those booths where you throw a quarter in and you could watch movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I recall the, the guys who used to come around with the mops to clean those floors. Oh, yeah, oh, no. That's I wouldn't, a terrible That's job. one job I never would want. Yeah. Yeah. Be dry heaving. Yeah. Good Lord, Mark, you're really expressing dismay over that. <laughs> I just don't. I just, I can't decide whether that's worth worse or like a porn theater is worse because you have to like go between the seats to clean. You know, yeah. Like oh, yeah. Pick up popcorn. Well, now fortunately they're leather seats, so they're a little bit easier to clean. Mm -hmm. But remember the velvet seats, like that's just. You know, it's weird. I didn't know that, but you did. I do, yeah. <laughs> I can tell you everything you want to know about porn. And actually, kids. she knows because the, the velvet one, I, I would guess, they're dated. So you've yes. been in this for a while. Yeah. I've been walking this earth good. forever. <laughs> I've, I've seen every good porn theater there is. Before we switch off here, I do want to say that you told me something before we started that I just am compelled to ask you about again, yes, please. Kathy. And that was, you mentioned, speaking of subways, you yes. mentioned that you were on the subway recently. This was fascinating yesterday. And, and just the strangest thing happened. Tell us about that. So there was an 85-year-old man, very sweet. And, you know, I notice people's faces before I see accessories and whatnot. And he had just the kindest face. But then he had a red hat. And I looked at it and it said, make America great again. Aww. And it was at 96th Street. And rather than take the express I wanted to see, people got on, they sat down next to him, and then they would clock it and get up because they didn't want to be associated with him. Wow. And no one would stay in that seat more than like 35 seconds because if they saw it, they just got right up. That is a genuinely, to me, fascinating social happening well and he didn't take it in at all he just was sort of like doo, doo, doo. like he yeah. did not acknowledge it but i and i was sort of looking around to other new yorkers wanting to see their response but it was like you know unfortunately when there's homeless people on the train people will often move away but it was as if he was you know just stay away pretty Don't. bold yeah. in new york too yeah you know? it yeah. really was yeah yeah that's would, interesting. But I, I think he was expressing a lot for people who are afraid to express that in New York. Yep. There were probably a number of people that got up to move away, but inside were feeling, that's my boy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Really? I don't know. I don't know how many of those people there are in New York. Staten Island. <laughs> yeah. Staten, Staten Island. Is that a big, is is that Battery a big Park. 
Yeah. Uh, Chelsea uh, down by the stone wall. Come oh, on. <laughs> facts, guys. These are all facts. facts. <laughs> all right. This seems like a good time to play our improv game before we get to talk to Robert about Robert. Um, improv? What's so, improv? So I want to give you a chance, Robert, to choose from two new games. And you can just select okay. the one we're going to play. And we'll save the other one for another day. They're both brand new. We've never played either one of them, but they're both, uh, I think, pretty easy to accomplish. The first one I'm calling What's the Buzz? And the idea is it's about rumors and how rumors get out of hand. So the idea is that you start a rumor based on a suggestion and whoever you're playing with has to try and top the, the rumor. And then you keep topping until you feel you've reached the point of crescendo and the, the story concludes because there's always more to a rumor and someone always wants to get a little, you know, the old bats sitting around playing Mahjong that want to, you know, go, oh, that's nothing. Did you hear he did this? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. that's that's what's the buzz. And then uh, the second idea is um, called uh, Jingle Jingle. And the idea is that the entire conversation Whatever you say, you have to say it as if you are singing a jingle. Uh, so you would have a normal conversation, whatever your situation might be, based on a suggestion. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you the choice of which of these two games you think we should play. Mark, I'm honored that you're giving me the, the choice here. Dealer's choice. It's amazing. I feel I feel pretty special about that. I'm going to go with r- jingles. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. The jingles. <laughs> jingles. Jingles. Jingles all the way. Hey. Very good. Okay, great. So um, we've never played this, so I don't really know how to demonstrate it except just to try. We're just so going to do how it. about Kathy and I just give the first round and then okay. we'll bring you in on the second round. Uh, maybe you and Elsie do it or whatever. Okay. So, um, so how about, a Elsie, if you could offer a suggestion of a type of disagreement that people could have. Silence. Hamburgers with or without mayonnaise. Ooh. Listen, this is... You know, that's one of the things I dig about you, Elsie. You just sort of save it up and then there it is. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, that sounds good. Yeah. Why does the Midwest put mayonnaise on the burgers and mustard? If the burger tastes so good, why put anything on it? I just want plain meat. Give me the plain meat. (laughs) You guys, my singing voice is amazing with this laryngitis. Ketchup is the best. What is it about ketchup that I like, but yet I hate tomatoes? (laughs) (laughs) Tomatoes. Oh, God. It's true, guys. What is it? I wish you had a hot dog every day. I wish you had a hot dog anyway. Why eat hamburgers? They suck, suck. Even though I want to disagree with you, I don't because I really love hot dogs. Except with relish. Because what is relish? It's gross. (laughs) I love the button on that. Nice button. (laughs) All right, so... That may or may not be how that's played. So. Yeah, I like Listen, it. I think Goulden's, uh, you should definitely take yes. note oh, yeah. that we have created. <laughs> There's some gems in there. Yeah. Something in there. Yeah. yeah. Cool or French's. Listen, we're open. That's your voiceover tape. 
<laughs> right? I think I think somewhere in there was a jingle that probably sounded like a child's toy commercial. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. like Tonka toys. Know, yeah. Exactly. They're construction workers. <laughs> they look like people. I was surprised that you could keep it rated G like that. Every all every time you got a rhyme, I started to go into this. Oh, place. don't worry. I'm, like, I'm confident that's about to change. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right, but so that's the best part of this. Elsie and Robert, why don't you uh, try one? Elsie, um, I know you're not as much for the singing, so if you choose to take your own musical style with this, feel free to do what you want to do. Um, just a little pressure taken off there. Uh, Kathy, why don't you uh, come up with a uh, a type of exchange that people will do? Well, now I'm looking at Robert, and I want to make it dirty. Mm, yeah, baby. Saliva I exchange. I want to make it dirty. No, how about an exchange of money? Well, you that, narrowed it down there. That'll be thirteen eighty nine, sir. Um, go ahead. Have fun. If you want to buy that item, you got to give me some cash, cash, cash. <laughs> I can stand here all day waiting for you to dish it out for me. Cash, cash, cash. If I want to buy something, you better give me money. Or else I'm going to sock you in the face. <laughs> this place is designed to give you change. So when you give me the payment for the thing, I'm going to exchange, 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 cash, cash. I really want money, and I'm going to say, honey, give it to me now. I'm not asking. <laughs> honey, give it to me now. Sounds like my ex. Oh, Freudian slip. Cash, cash, cash. All right, that, that, that's a very nice little hand. Yes, give me that cash. Give me that cash money. Very good. I love that. That was good. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here yeah. and say that we actually got through that reasonably quickly. Yeah. We're going to do a second game. Oh, awesome. we're second gonna, game. We're, we're going to do uh, what's the buzz? What is the buzz? So, um, Isn't uh, that that song from Jesus Christ Superstar? What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. What's the yes. buzz? What's, what's, happening? Happening? what's the buzz? Tell yeah, me but they didn't invent the term. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, Wait, Robert, Jesus rumors about Jesus. A suggestion. <laughs> a suggestion for um, I, you know. Actually, how, how about we change up yeah, the teams? Yeah, so change, how yeah. about you and me, Robert? Okay, uh, you and me, Robert. Uh, Kathy, give a suggestion if you would. A an object. Can you frame the the rule of a game again? The yes. Principle. Oh, now what is okay? So, yeah. uh, so the idea is there's a rumor. Yeah. And I'm going to base it on an object in this particular case. And uh, one of us says a rumor and then the other tries to top it and then the other tries to top it. Okay. Do you get the promise? Yep. Okay. Yep. The object is leaf blower. Did you hear about Carl and his leaf blower? Carl? It, I think it pretty much took off his leg. Oh, well, I did. I heard about it, but I heard that it was part of the leg, not the entire leg. Well, that is much worse. <laughs> so, End game. End game. No. Uh, oh, no. No, it, no, yeah. I, well, uh, he, the thing I heard was, if I can have a redo on the rumor, um, I heard that he was horseback riding 
and it took off his leg and half of the horse. Oh, yes, I heard that too. But, you know, I don't even think that was the worst part of it. Mm-hmm. The worst part of it was that three of his children were on the horse with him, and um, his wife saw that and took away his children. Now he has no children. Oh, my goodness. Well, or he... leg or half horse. I heard that, but I also heard that this – because this gets awful – um, his mother-in-law was also on that horse, and when his wife took the kids away, she let him keep the mother-in-law. Oof. That is rough. You know, I heard the mother-in-law is part of the KKK. I heard that the mother-in-law wears a uh, Make America Great Again hat, too. Same thing. And she <laughs> makes sheet cakes. Oh. I don't get jokes. Well, I don't get that. Sheet cakes. KKK, sheets, or sheets. Oh. But you know what's great when you have to explain a joke? That means it's really funny. That means you're killing. That joke was what it's like to bomb, you guys. Well, I heard a rumor that the rumor game bombed worse. Yeah, it did. (laughs) Let's see what happens with round two slash possible last round ever. Uh, And so, (laughs) is anybody out there? Is anybody listening? Robert, why don't you give Kathy and Elsie a um, a food? Okay, I think they're gonna. I don't know. I have a feeling they're gonna blow us out of the water with this for some reason. How can they? With a leaf blower. Ding. Heyo. Um, a food. Mm -hmm. Yes. Lasagna. I thought you were going to say kumquat because, you know, it's, you know, that's. Mm-hmm. I think you were going to say eggplant emoji. Well, it's an eggplant lasagna. I mean, yeah, let's get specific bang. here. All right, Kathy, go ahead. Go for it. Did you hear about Rhonda's eggplant lasagna <laughs> and what it did to Carl? Well, I heard it's because of what the ingredients were. It wasn't your traditional lasagna. Yes. And did you hear that the ingredient was horse meat? Horse meat and a little something-something. <laughs> yes, I heard that Rhonda's sister's uncle's cousin, his friend, mm-hmm. it was semen. That's what I heard, too. But it was, um, like, reconstituted ancient semen. From a raccoon. That's the really gross part. It's, just, it's disgusting. I was, like, totally shocked by this. By the way, I had two helpings. And the results of that were what? Well, I had food poisoning. Yeah, well, I heard something else. What did you hear? I heard that, you know, come on, just tell us. I heard it. What, did I order this now on the black market so I can get down to a size two? Is that that the rumor you want to talk about? That's part of the rumor, but, but that also I heard that you're now kind of a tester for reconstituting other ancient kinds of animal semen to, you know, check out the flavors. And well, Elsie, that's really funny because you gross. signed a non-disclosure agreement when I walked in the door. Yeah, but it's a rumor. We're not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy nailed it. She got to have that attitude. It, it, it is. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. We were lacking attitude. Right, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to, you know. Pause for a second, and then when we come back, we'll still be here, but we'll be talking about Robert with Robert. Yes. Right after this on Funny People Talking. Connect with the show at Mouth Media Network or at our website, funnypeopletalking.com. And please, for the love of all that is holy... 
subscribe to the show and leave us a damn review and a really, really good rating on iTunes. Pretty please? Thank you. Finally, 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 Robert Kalinsky in our studio. I've been trying to get you here for a little bit, and I'm very yeah. happy you're here. Thank you very much. He flew in. Flew in yesterday. LA. Just for this, today. This morning. Yeah. This morning from L.A. Um, I, admittedly, not just for this, but we can pretend. So, yeah. But we're delighted to have you here, and congratulations on everything. So, Thanks. Uh, let's talk about you. Okay. Um, I'm going to start here. I don't believe you are an actor, although I know that you act. I'd like to explain that statement. I believe you actually are something else. Um, but I would like to ask you, other than being an actor, who are you? I By the way, you're a very capable actor I appreciate. No, and I, experienced actor. I appreciate I don't think that. that's who you are, though. I think it's one of the ways that you you, you deliver pieces of you. That's you're, You basically are summing it up, putting it into words that I wouldn't have thought of. Um, you know, my brother, my younger brother, Philip, who's also in the entertainment industry, uh, he says, you're an activist who acts, you know? And so I think you're right. It's, I'm somebody who, who is interested in, I guess, the theater and acting about storytelling and expression and moving people. So I'm, a, I'm interested in that. So if that means sending out, hopefully, a, a tweet that rattles people, or get on stage and do a spoken word piece that upsets people or get on stage and do a theater piece that warms people's hearts, then I'm happy with that. You know, So I'm a guy that just wants to express and create expressions that move people to think differently. I feel like in the time, the little bit that I've gotten to know you over the years here and there mm -hmm. in small ways um, – I feel like you're a person that lives out loud. Definitely. I actually went on a date recently and I got a text from this young lady and she said, I can't see you anymore because your activism is too performative for me. Too performative. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah, right? So she needs her activism to be within a specific I, spectrum. I guess. And that would mean like, mm. you know, maybe lower key or hidden. And I, I, I took it as a compliment. I was like, oh. Well, she wants to yeah. know that you are an activist. She just doesn't want to see any of it. Right. Yeah. So then my message, I should just keep it to myself. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I feel like. Dodged a bullet with that one. That's yeah, why. it's good. Live out loud. I love that. That's such a great phrase yeah. for you, especially with your play. I'm, 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 I'm still, I honestly don't think I've gone to the edge yet. I feel like I'm still. Are you heading toward the edge? Yes. And I, the Purposely. edge. Purposefully. Yeah. Um, I just feel like. Um, I'm, I'd like to, I, I know that as a white guy in the time we live in right now, that I'm able to say things and do things that can shake up other white guys. And I want to do that. And if other people along the way get shaken up, cool. And when I say shaken up, I just mean think about things differently and maybe come to different conclusions. Um, so that's part of what's going on with me right now. I love that and bringing in awareness yeah, and having them leave feeling differently. Yeah. And that is such a beautiful gift you can give to an audience. When I'm in the audience and I go see a show, 
friend of mine, Roger Ganvera Smith. He does one man shows. He's brilliant. Um, and I walk out, learned something I didn't know or a bunch of things, felt something I wasn't sure I ever would feel. And that to me makes me a bigger and more um, complete human being. Yeah. Do you think you're uh, – this is going to sound like I think I'm asking a clever question, but I don't mean it that sure. way. Do you – if you had to pick one, do you think you're more Timothy Leary, Lenny Bruce, or John Lennon? Uh, Lenny Bruce. Why? More so because his work was about how the system started to mess with him. And, and you know, when the system started messing with him and trying to quiet him down, that's when he started to express more and – actually brought his court papers onto the stage and started to disseminate that stuff. Yeah. So I, I like that, um, working against this, yeah. this, this system that robs people of their identities and their individualities. Can you imagine Lenny Bruce with social media? Oh, oh man. Wow. Yeah. Uh, for those who, who don't know, maybe our millennials in the crowd. Let's just pause and Google Lenny Bruce. Lenny or, Bruce. Hey, Google, who's Lenny Bruce? That's right. <laughs> Lenny Bruce was a comedian ahead of his time, uh, persecuted in a way for saying how it is and what he thought and not being afraid. And uh, it really cost him probably a lot of opportunity. Uh, he was kind of like if George Carlin was way more edgy yeah. than George right. Carlin. Right. <laughs> Exactly. Hey, Google, who's George Carlin? Like, unfortunately, they're going <laughs> to. Exactly, exactly. By the way, uh, sound effects will be performed by Robert Glinsky <laughs> in this episode. Uh, I appreciate John Lennon, too. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. He did the similar thing. Um, what I, I think was cool about John, one of the things of him is the, his manipulation of the media. You know, imagine him here now with social media. Yeah. I mean, him laying in bed with his his wife and buying billboards in Times Square. I could just imagine yeah. what kind of messaging he would be putting out every day. Yeah. Now, I'm trying to figure out, would John Lennon be more of an Instagram guy or a Snapchat guy? <laughs> uh, I'm feeling Instagram. I, yeah? Yeah. I'm feeling, you you didn't Snapchat? mention Twitter. I was thinking Twitter. So you think yeah. Twitter for yeah. John Lennon? I think he, honestly, I hate to keep going back Yoko to accident Trump, but... Um, I think he would be a guy that would like every 48 minutes, 14 minutes when oh, he yeah, had a thought, yeah. he'd just like throw it out there. He, he would do a whole whole performance, one line song at a time and deliver it through yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Let's talk about the path that you've been on, the different pieces and how they fit into the story of Robert. Sure. You – and you can – this is not the order they've happened necessarily, but you're an actor – Yep. I'd like to talk about kind of how that's transformed through time. I want you to pick where we start. Um, you've also been a you're, you're a speaker. Uh, you've been you've done TEDx. Mm -hmm. You you and you coach teens on being TEDx speakers. Uh, and teacher, I mean, so it's, there's not one thing. You are the jack of all trades. So how do these things connect? Uh, and, oh, and then, of course, you're a performer and yeah. and, and uh, writer, writer, creator, uh, businessman, producer. Um, you know, I, I think I think I actually decide where we should start because I think it's the thing that feels the least connected, but it probably has a connection for you. Why the reality television school? Yes, please. I'm fascinated okay. by that. I can tell you why. The reality television school, 
to me, it was an opportunity or is an opportunity to, again, I like fighting systems that hurt people and reality television hurts people. It hurts people who are on the shows. It demeans them. It demoralizes them. And no matter what people try to tell you that it, it's, that's not its intention, that is what its intention is. These predators, which are producers slash editors, these predators get people in there who are hungry for acknowledgement and fame. And then they put them through a particular meat grinder, hope they break down in front of us. So it's bad for the person on the show. It's also bad for the audience because the audience is now hungry for more you know, our neurons get conditioned and we get wired to be wanting more devastation. The yeah. Fighting and, yeah. Right. So with a good scripted piece or a good improv, there's drama and that's cool. Mm-hmm. Right. So drama's cool. But to put people in positions where they embarrass themselves is not. So I I I thought about it and I was like, I do a lot of training with people that are in the margins, people in jails, prisons, people that are in shelters. And that's about using theater and expression to tap into your your esteem and your dignity and your confidence and your whatever you need to and want to say. And I thought, you know what? Why not arm people who are going into the meat grinder with some of that sensibility? Why not get them positioned so that they're not in there and saying signing their life away on an 88-page contract and then um, having to give up everything that they are in order to be seen, be famous – um, which is fleeting. So why not give them some tools so that they won't be treated as a tool so that they can fight back, manipulate back on their own and at, at least walk out of there knowing that they made the decisions that they felt were good for them as opposed to the decisions that the producers wanted them to to jump into. So they can actually keep a little bit of their own character. Yes, exactly. That. Can you talk about who you've worked with? Yeah. Um, well, let's see. I've worked with – I can't tell you like names and not yeah. because there's an NDA but just of because course. it's it – I haven't done it in a while. But I've worked with people on Project Runway. I've worked yeah. with people who have been on um, America's Got Talent. Um, actually, recently I worked with somebody – if this is a reality show, Shark Tank. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I did – I think it's a reality show. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So – and he's cool. Uh, actually, it's the, the owner – and I will talk about him. The owner and CEO of Nuchas Empanadas, which are right here in – yeah. New York. They're great They're empanadas. Yeah. So he went in there. He doesn't need the money. It's not that he's rich and he doesn't need the money. Everybody wants to grow. But he knew that if he could get $2 million out of these guys, he could grow the business, scale it up in a much faster way. Um, but he didn't need the money to keep the business alive. Right. So he went in there like, I'm either going to get the deal I want or not. It doesn't bother me. And he turned them all down. And it was great. He He had that sense of self and confidence and knowing who he is and what he wants and walked out of there with that. I love that. So he didn't take, because I'm sure they negotiated down. Yeah, there was, there was a point where, um, I think Mark Cuban was giving, uh, Corcoran, is it? Yes. Barbara yeah. Corcoran, yeah. Giving her, her advice on how to do the deal to get the deal. <laughs> and, that. um, my friend who is Nuchas, um, Barbuth, um, was like, he's Argentinian. Barbuth, and he's got a great voice. And he was like, at the end, he he they take him in the back to interview him, like afterwards. And he said something after the interview. They were trying to suck my soul out. 
And the girl had, wait, turn the camera back on. Say that again. Would you please say that? So they got him to say wow. what he really felt, which was they were trying to suck my soul out. Which is very rare that you would see on a show like that because yeah. we want to see nothing but positivity towards the sharks. No. We don't want to say anything negative about them. When that edit came out, when it was broadcast, yeah. uh, did they um, paint him as a negative character that that they, that, that, that um, had been foolish and, and had, was a sore loser? They they tried to do that. They, I think they were respectful enough to know the truth, which was he knew what he wanted. He knew what he needed and he wasn't willing to give up his company. The, the thing came down to Corcoran wanted to own the company name yeah. and the brand. Oh. And he was like, no, I've started. No, this. I've been on it for you. This is it. Yeah. So they did kind of try at the end when they sum it up. But they, I think they just continued to paint the color of a guy who is self-assured and loves what he does and isn't giving that up. You I know, love that. It seems like that's such power. Yeah. That's such power in that. I'm wondering, I, I brought you in for, with a, a workshop about podcasting one time. Uh, mm -hmm. to, you were very kind to come in and talk to the people, the participants. And they were, uh, it, it was about storytelling. It was really the, the essence of, of developing a good story. Uh, and, uh, that, that reflect a little bit on your work in doing a TEDx mm -hmm. speech and, and as an actor and as a coach and director and stuff. So my question is how much of what you do with say reality television, uh, instruction, um, and obviously as an actor, storytelling plays into it, uh, as a speaker, um, we're even working with people in, at a prison and all the things that you do is this really just about story and owning and determining what the story is going to be? I have a love, hate. You can say with, no. I, I, yeah. I have a sort of a love, hate with the whole story thing right now. That word, you know, cause once, you know, now the corporations are jumping on that, the CSO, the chief storytelling operator, oh, I know. you know, and I feel like, um, people are now using that word to, present themselves as more thoughtful than they really well, are. Well, story is the new authentic. It's like faux empathy. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, um, so to me, it's not, to me, it's not about story structure. It's not about the right story structure. To me, it's just about expression and, and expressing that deepest part of you. When you were talking at the top of the show, you said, you know, what's funny. I think funny comes tr from trouble. Funny comes from trouble. People who are funny to me, they don't go up there and talk about their successes. Usually they talk about, the hard part before the success, yeah. the, the, the rough part or the, where they got into trouble before they got successful. That's where the funny comes from. Pain, comedy is cruelty. So um, to me, stories are also very similar to that. It's like, what is it that's burning in your soul that needs to be said? I don't care how it's said. That's, I think maybe that's why I'm in a few different strands of these media mediums, you know, reality. I want it to be told through reality TV. I want it to be told through um, off-Broadway theater. I want it to be told through film. I want it to be told through TEDx conference speakers, you know. But always staying true to yourself. Absolutely. And that's a huge thing that – and especially the fact that you work with teens. I love that. Talk about what inspired you to want to work – you know, most people get nervous. They're like, oh, I'll work with little kids, but yeah. teens, they've already been love mapped. They're – you know, they have a, a very skewed view of the world, et cetera. So I think that they – I like it because they – I like things that scare me. Yeah. You know, not hurt me 
physically, but scare me. Yeah. And they, they test all the time. Yeah. And they're always looking to see how they can um, create a different angle or come at it from a different way or turn what you set upside down. So I get challenged and I learn. And I also, I think it keeps me in the moment so that I'm not able to, I look at people now and I'm like, you can't predict what they're going to do. So you, I stay in the moment more so. And I think that's part of why I love working with teens. I, I mean, I work with all ages, but teens especially because they're also not um, tagged with the baggage of having lived long enough to know everything. Yeah. You know, expert mind is the beginner's mind. Mm -hmm. And they maintain that more so than a lot of other people. Yeah. Let's move on to the bench. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about this. Now, I realize you've done other interviews about this. I understand that you've been able to to share a little bit about yeah. how this has come about. So let's just give that for some context here. But I'd like to talk about it through another lens. Uh, to, what is the bench? Yeah. And why did this come about? Why was this a story that you were in a position? How dare you tell this story? Um, um, or, or, or maybe not how dare you, but why you? I guess is really more the question, and and then and then I'd like to ask you a question. About Interrupt it. me whenever I'm, if you feel like, because sometimes I will go. So let's talk about. Uh, no, <laughs> I was just about to say something. Um, the bench, it started by, again, I think it was empathy, and I didn't even know the word back then, but it was you know in the late '80s, um, and before I came to New York, I lived in New Haven, Connecticut. And there were a bunch of guys that used to hang out on a bench across from one of the Yale art museums. And I'd walk by every day and I'd hear all day long, you know, every time I went by. And then I tuned in one day and I was like, wow, this is like incredibly vulgar poetry. I love this. And then I realized the bench was like their water cooler. You know, they came around there and started to share stories, gossip with each other. And that made me start to realize that there was a deeper community than just these unanchored human beings that we think are just sort of zombies with, with no past or with a past that is um, corrupt because that's what they look like right now. Um, and I started to listen. I give credit to David Mamet's Writing in Restaurants, great book. And he was talking about snippets and how snippets and listening and stuff like that can turn into bigger things. I was reading at the time. And then I was lucky to be bartending at a restaurant where August Wilson used to come in because oh, wow. he was working with Lloyd Richards. And um, he would come in and he would be writing his stuff on cocktail napkins. And for about three or four months, I got a little mini master class because I befriended him while I was bartending and was telling him what I'm doing. I'm listening to these people and he's like, record it, see if you can record it. You know, these are just the beginnings of what, what could be more. Don't think that this is the finite, what you're hearing is the finite and you have to just replicate that. So I took that and wrote a draft of a play and, and put it up and I hung out with them a lot. I stayed out late. I was going through a period of time. There was, I was in my early twenties where I was making a departure from suburban my suburban upbringing, bringing, mm -hmm. trying to go as far away from it as possible. Everyone, I think, has that moment where, or those moments where they look at who they are, or where they're from, and what they were supposed to be. Yeah. And sometimes people rebel against that. I was rebelling, hanging out on these benches and turning it into material. Um, and then I thought, what the heck? I'll try it. Put it up as a play. I put it up as a play with a cast. And it worked okay. It was only 20 minutes long at the time. And then um, came to New York, Tompkins Square Park, 7th and A, when it was um, – What year was that? 
Uh, I was coming through uh, 85, 84, 86. Oh, wait, this has been that long. Oh, yeah. The script is the, the original script is long. And it's hilarious because when I, I bumped into a playwright and back then and and uh, I said, oh, you, what are you doing? What's going on? He goes, well, I'm writing a play. I go, really? And this I've never written a play before. This is so very beginning of my career. And I said, really? He goes, yeah, I've been working on it for about two and a half years now. And I laughed. I went, <laughs> two and a half years? Oh, my God. I'm gonna, I didn't say this to him, but in my head, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be done with my play next week. And now here I am 30 years later working off the same script. Yeah. Um, rewritten a million times, blah, blah, blah. Well, what is the show exactly? What happens? So the show is about these people who these five human beings who are experiencing homelessness that you, you play, play all, all yeah. five and have dialogue with yourself yeah. as these characters yes which i think is phenomenal as an actor it is what a great exercise to do as, a, as i a think sort of... more uh, one of the reviewers said i don't understand why more people don't do this and i think more people should because it's terrifying I mean, I think most people, it's, you know, the idea of stand-up. Oh, I yeah. can, you know, I go into a character, but having dialogue back and forth, that requires both sides of your brain to be working. And that terrifies people. I think it's, you know, but like you said, you do things that scare you. Yes. Which is what makes you a phenomenal creator. And I, thank you. And I think also my mental illness plays well into that as well. <laughs> and I'm serious. Uh, that I can relate in a certain way. Absolutely. You know? To the voices. Yes. And now we allow them to come out. Yes. Um, I, I wrote it as a, in a, a play that had four characters, four guys who were all kind of obsessed with this one woman, Lorraine. And it was all about how it ended up being about how one guy was just hiding his real emotions and he was being as disparaging of her as possible, be, but he was the one who loved her the most. Right. Um, and, I did it fully cast here in New York, a couple places, did it in New Haven. And then I rewrote it because everybody kept saying to me, we got to meet Lorraine, the woman they're talking about. We got to meet her. Why isn't she on stage? So I wrote her into the piece, which then added this incredible dynamic because um, now we got to hear her talk a little bit, you know. Um, and this is the woman they've all been talking about. And now we finally get to meet her. And then after the, the show, people would say to me, oh, I wish I could – wish you'd tell me the backstories of these guys. I'd really love to know what their backstories were. So I was like, oh, OK. So I started another rewrite. And about that time, um, I was thinking – this was when John Leguizamo was busting out amazing one-person yeah. shows at the beginning of his one-person career. Bogosian had been doing shows. Yeah. Um, Lily Tomlin. And everybody was doing – monologue blackout monologue blackout mm -hmm. monologue blackout and i thought i really want to I, I think i could perform like that uh, and sh showcase some characters and stories i think i'll write a piece and then i was like oh how exhausting is it to write a piece you know another piece and i thought what do i have that i love well i love the bench i love these guys so i said oh maybe i could even twist even further and do the dialogue so that's why I started to do the dialogue. It was more of an ego thing. John Leguizamo, if you're listening, um, you inspired my ego to try to trump you. And, uh, <laughs> John's amazing, by the way. He often performs in prisons. We talk yeah. about it. Yeah, he's he part of an organization of that I work with called GOSO, Getting Out, Staying Out. Yeah. Um, Reentry program. And um, so then I um, – yeah, so I started to do it – with the backstories and I'll finish this up with I came out the very first time with the backstories and what I did was I pre-recorded them on audio and 
when the each character had a kind of critical moment of breaking down on stage, I froze and tri- someone would trigger the backstory. So you catch their backstory in the middle of a manic moment and come back to them in that manic moment and continue on with the dialogue of the play. Um, I thought it would be like a cool window into them, especially when they're in this breaking point. So when I met Jay, I've known J.O. Sanders for a long time and I asked him, would you want to help direct this? And he was like, sure. But the first thing we're going to do <laughs> is we're going to get rid of those stupid recordings. And you're going to do that live. Because every time I hear them, I think Law and Order. Cha-chung. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And Jay knows about Law and oh Order. Oh my God. <laughs> so he, uh, I was like, Jay, how do I... And this, is, this has been the best thing for me. I was like, Jay, how do I do that? Come on. How do I jump from in the middle of these characters to then just telling a story about them? And he's like, that's your answer right there. Just tell the story. That's yeah. why people come here. To, they want to hear the stories. And that, those particular backstories, they've been asking for those. Just tell the story. So instead of freezing and going to a audio recording, I freeze just for a split second and then I walk out to the edge of the stage yeah, and right tell you who, yeah, yeah, tell you who they are or what they did. Can I ask these five characters when you were working on it for, you know, actors out there that are, you know, how do you create a character? Was each person, how did you start with, was it a physicality? Was it the way they moved their mouth? How, what was it that? Uh, great question. It was a mixture of what they said and how they said it, their physicality. Yeah. So I can tell, I met every one of these people except Lorraine. Lorraine, I only learned about through these four other characters. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'll tell you real quick, Joe, he's a curmudgeon guy. He's got a cane. He's a bitch. He's a bastard. Yeah. So it was like- I've dated him. Yeah. yeah. I, he told me about <laughs> a few of those dates- and the portal. Um, he was just such, he was too much of an activist. I'm sorry. Oh my God. I should keep my activism in a closet. It'll be more effective, don't you think? Mm. Um, so, you know, it's like his language. A lot of the start, everything really started from the language. Yeah. Like I heard the way they talked, their tones. And from people's tones, I always think that like people have voice prints, like fingerprints. And, and I've learned that from dating. You know, it's like get on the phone with somebody after you swiped a few times my process is get on the phone and hear the voice Yep. because that voice print is going to tell me whether, and I may be wrong sometimes, but it's going to tell me a lot about where they're coming from, where they've been, what they want, just the sound of someone's voice, the energy in it, the vibration. And so I heard these guys' vibrations and that is where I came through with their characters. And then after meeting more and more people in life, you know, a lot of us are have a lot of similarities. So I would just start conglomerating other people into each character. Um, JD is a truck was a truck driver. He's tall. He's lean. He's a loner. He's very wooden. So there's that guy. Then Mark is a young trust fund kid who really doesn't live on the street, but he's such a strange person that he goes and slums it with the guys and mm-hmm. then goes back to the group mm-hmm. home that he's been put in. Um, and then um, this other character, Graveyard, is a guy who I met. My friend Robin Selfridge and I had an apartment. It was freezing one night and he was sleeping in our stoop doorstep. And we went and got him some chicken, gave him, got him some really nice chicken and then went upstairs and started to put ourselves to bed and looked at each other and in the living room and said, what are we crazy? Like the best we can do for this guy is give him chicken. It's like negative five degrees out. So we went down and invited him up and he slept in our living room for two or three days until it warmed up. And got to know him mm-hmm. a lot. And he was a really interesting guy. And his backstory was terribly sad. Um, and then Lorraine 
I just got all the information from them, from the guys. And um, so I, her character came about from hearing how they talked about her and what they said that was them bullshitting and what they said, what that really meant. Yeah. So you were able to just mm. create her yeah. from... Now, have these men come to see the show? Well, I was just going to ask. That's a question that gets asked a lot. They, yeah. they have not. Again, this is based on people that I met 30 years ago now. Right. So I would imagine maybe Mark is the only one alive right now. Yeah. Um, they, were in, they were in Graveyard and JD were in pretty bad shape at the time. Um, Mark as well, but Mark was young enough. Joe was just an older guy. He wasn't in that bad of shape, but he was older at the time already. But I have had on 14th and 7th, um, there's a lot of um, people experiencing homelessness in the summer that hang out yes. in that area there. Mm -hmm. And I befriended a few of those guys. One of them's named Steve. And one day, and I was doing the show at 13th Street Theater at one point, and I, one day I was walking by on the way to the show and walked past him. He's like, hey, how you doing, Rob? I'm like, good, Steve, what's up? He's like, oh, I'm just, you know, looking for some change. And I'm like, all right, here's a couple bucks. Hey, where are you going, Rob? I go, I'm going to do my play. Oh, cool, man. And then I start taking like 15, 20 steps and I stop and I go, wait a minute, why don't I invite him yeah. again to scare myself? I'm like, if I bring these guys in. Right, because you don't know how they're going to react. It's live theater, guys. You could, you know. Yep. So I said, Steve, eight o'clock right over here, 13th Street Theater. Why don't you bring a few guys? I'll put some guest list under your name. And he was like, and he was a coherent, cool cat. So he was like, sure. Yeah, great. So five to eight, he rolls in with four people that are on the street. They come, they, they watch it. I'm as um, soaked in the work as I possibly can be, but at the same time petrified because now I've got real witnesses in front of me. And when it was over, he came up to me. I'm not making it up. He had a little tear falling out of his eye oh. and say, man, you told our story. Oh, you told dude. our story. And so that was an a, a, a affirmation that wow. pushed me up. And, you know, got me going. And I think this is, I'm getting emotional too, but uh, that is the gift that you are giving. You are giving the voiceless a voice. Yeah. And there's such strength and power in that. Your parents raised you very well. Thank you. I'm going to play that part of the you know, podcast for my mom. And that's nice. It's true. This, it's a testament to your character. You know, the the storytelling part of me wants to stop there. That feels like a beat, but I, I really have a couple other questions. I, I I wouldn't forgive myself for not asking you. In the bench, in all the theater that I've done, there's always certain moments that I look forward to performing in a show. And there's also moments that I, I wouldn't say dread, but... If, you get past, you know, because it's like a long monologue or it's, you know, I got to eat that cold beef stew or, you know, whatever it is that you do. So my question is, is there a sweet moment to you? It's one of the little milestones you look forward to every night you perform this. And is there, and there doesn't have to be a moment that's hard for you, um, whether it's emotionally or technically or whatever, that is one of the challenges you say, okay, got past that another night. Uh, there, this is a, this is a piece that um, there is not one moment or stretch. And I know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. 
like a monologue rug of let's get through this so we can get to that. There is not one moment where I feel like that. And there, there are moments that are sweeter than others that I do look forward to. Um, and then on particular nights, there are moments where uh, this particular thing popped and shined. And the night before, it was this other section that popped and shined for the audience. And it's yeah. like it can't well, always that's tell. The of a lot, a lot yeah. of audience. And, you know, it's one – I'm sorry. I don't yeah. mean to what you're saying. But all of us who have performed live theater know you get a rise out of the audience that night and you go, oh, wow, I really probably did something good there. Let me try to repeat it to the next yeah. night. Yeah, the next night and it bombs. Nope. Recreate it like, nope. Nope. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, no problem. Um, so, I mean, I love the, I love the backstory monologues because I get to be me. I step out and I get to be me and talk with, and Jay actually kind of taught me this, like just talk from my passion about yeah. these people. Um, and then there's some cute moments between Mark and Joe where these little creatures that they are, um, are, are cute. Um, and then there's a, a, a love scene with Lorraine and Joe that I feel is precious and, and I love it. Um, yeah, there's just, and there's a couple of lines that, you know, the best, some of the best lines are lines that I didn't even write there. I overheard them or a friend of mine said them. And I was like, can I use that? Because Joe needs to say that on stage. Yeah. And they were like, sure, go ahead. My last question at this point is, uh, you know, we talked about humor coming often from the trouble, from the tough some of the things that you're probably doing in this show are about very tough moments, but they also may connect with humor in the way that you're going about them. How do you navigate you personally as a performer and as a writer in this case, how do you navigate telling the truth of the toughness of those moments while still delivering the humor packages in which they are delivered? The answer is when you, in your question. It's it's staying focused on the truth. In the rehearsals and in past shows, I know there's certain places where they're almost always going to laugh because that's a funny moment. And a lot of times that funny moment is because it – I mean every time the truth Release. is being born yeah. Yeah. in front of all of us. So the, the discipline with the, – the discipline is to stay – honest with it to 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 stay with the truth to channel these guys these characters no matter what play it is to channel the truth i look at it like if i go out there and i'm more worried about getting my blocking right this is the hard part blocking memorization yeah that's the hard part for me the the, yeah. the, the fun part the easy part even though it's strenuous is the channeling and the emotional part uh so if I'm out there worried about blocking my lines, um, the tech, the new tech person, is there a manager watching me? Is there a press out there? I put myself in this place where I go, Joe Graveyard, Mark, Lorraine, and JD, one, I would be disrespecting them if I let any of that get in the way of telling their stories. How dare you, Robert? How dare you let the fact that there might be an agent out there make you nervous enough to not tell the truth about these guys? Those guys are watching me. Mm -hmm. Lorraine's watching me and I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not going to disrespect her because I, what am I supposed to do after the show? Go Lorraine, I'm sorry that I didn't nail it tonight, but I was so concerned about the agent mm -hmm. out there, or right. I didn't memorize my lines well enough. And that has always been, and I think of it every night before every performance that has been the thing that makes me go again, be afraid, kind of put the knife to my own throat and say, 
get it right for these guys because yeah. there's no excuses. Could you ever see this, uh, allow it to leave the nest and be licensed with other people performing yeah, look, it? Rocky, or is this... Rocky wouldn't give up yeah, Rocky, would he? Right. I'm saying, or is, is this so much an extension of you and you would never trust someone to tell the story as truthfully as you are out there um, or or would it serve its purpose in existing to have it told in as many places as possible? It would serve its purpose being told in as many places as possible with as many people interpreting it in their own way. It would be a different show. Yeah. yeah. So 20 years ago, I was not mature enough to, to do that. No, it's mine. It's mine. It's my, my song. I'm playing it. Um, but now I – no, I would rather let people interpret, play yeah. – copy it if they want to the letter or make it their own thing and um just so that it gets mm. out there is this it is this i'm not saying is this the end but do you see this as the piece de resistance of your acting career or do you see this as finally something's kind of taking off and getting you attention and i know it's not just about that i know it's about the story itself but but as a piece of art as a performer is this like a meaningful next step to what comes after it? Or does it feel like everything's culminated to this and how could I ever top this? It's the, the first. And again, you're, you're doing a great job reading me. Um, it to me is the thing that hopefully will pe – people can see me and I can go to the next level. Yeah, I think it's just the you beginning. Know? Yeah. It's, the, it's a chapter and um, I think that it's just – that, it, that's just what it is. It's a I do also think, though, if I um, got hit by lightning tomorrow and passed away, you'd be happy. With I'd be happy that I made this thing and it got out there. Now, can I ask? There's a lot of listeners that are in the arts, yeah. and you know, are creatives, actors, writers. This is a one-person show. Can we talk about the loneliness of oh, you finished? The oh show? my gosh! How do you? I'm now. Granted, you are left with these five characters and you go to bed with them every night. Yeah. But at the same time, is it like the sharing... Waltons? Do you say, good night, good night. Yeah. <laughs> but how do JD you farts? And I'm like, come on, guy. <laughs> every night walk away and you don't have someone to share the experience with on stage. Um, I become very close to my stage managers. Yeah. Mm. You know, Stephen Pope in LA is brilliant. And he and I have those moments where he's like, dude, I, you screwed up those lines, but I saw how you came back and brought it yeah. around, you know? Yeah. Um, and J.O. Sanders is, is another person that I sound off with, but there is a sort of a loneliness of not having a, another performer yeah. that was in the experience. Um, the lonely part also is, and, and it's a, it's a catch 22 because going into rehearsal, I'm alone, Yeah, you know? And so I, I have no one there to say, come on, we got to do this. You got to be on time, you know, because so-and-so showed up and, you know, your acting partner's there now and there's a cast of four people. They're all pulling together. It's it's just me. So that part is the loneliest part, yeah. getting ready, getting mm -hmm. sometimes some days it's like, oh, I got to run my lines. And when you and when you have a, somebody that you're working with or a cast, then everybody's like, all right, they might even all that have that same feeling. But yeah. once you get going, you support each other with each other's energy. So that's the part that's lonely. Yeah. After it's over, it's not lonely to mm -hmm. me. 
I mean, there are times where, but it's, it's kind of like, oh, just great. There are times when I'm like, let's go out and let's go talk and have a party. Yeah. And there are times where like, nope, guys, I'm going home. Got to go Gave the gift. Yep. Thank you. Good night. All right. Final question on this yeah. part. I sadly announce, um, and that is, you know, we talked about this maybe next step, maybe, you know, this isn't the end quote mm-hmm. unquote, unless you get struck by lightning. So hopefully not. And, uh, on this show a number of times we've actually talked about climbing rungs you know you you like a ladder you know you get to a rung and you look at the one up there and you say oh if only and you get to that one you go oh my god i'm here and then you last there five minutes and then you look at the next rung and when that's three rungs down in the climb of your career you appreciate it but it doesn't seem as exciting as it once did that's like oh yeah i remember when i just did that but here i am doing this cool thing and you and and there may or may not be a rung in which you say when i get there i am satisfied enough mm-hmm. so my question is what's the rung out there on your ladder of professional life or personal life that you aim to what's that moment when you might say maybe i got to the destination and it doesn't mean you have to stop there and that's the end but that i know you said if you got hit by lightning you'll you'll feel like you really accomplished something nice here but i don't feel this is where you were aiming to right i feel like it's further so what is the further if you can articulate sure. it as much as you know at this point the wrong, the thing about the wrongs is like as you're telling me this asking me this i'm realizing there are some wrongs that i've identified that i want to climb on and then there's these wrongs that appear out of the journey yeah, yeah. that i'm like whoa i didn't know that a, it's somewhere inside me I wanted that or B, that this might even just come along with part of the deal. So I'm really – a friend of mine, Libby Moore, says, I don't follow my passion. I follow my curiosity and that brings me to my passion, passions. And so I, I she told me that once and I'm like, oh, that's it. It's I'm, I'm not grabbing onto something that I feel passionate about so I can feel secure about it. I'm going into the unknown where the mm-hmm. curious lives. So some of those rungs, I have no idea what they are. They appear. And then I would say to answer the question more directly, uh, once people – once the directors and the producers want me for their projects, that's the next rung. That rung is going to be another level for me. Um, so that's really what I'm looking for is to 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 start to – People say, you know what? You'd be really cool in my project. I want to you, – what you're doing is cool, but I think you could try this because I see you in my vision. Mm-hmm. So I want to be in other people's visions. Well, doesn't that go back to a little bit of what often drives people to be performers in the first place is the desire to be wanted and appreciated for what it is that they are doing, that yeah. skill. But you need that audience desiring you. So when someone comes out and they say they they want you, they present you with a rung. Yeah. Um, in a way, that's the food that we're after. Absolutely. And going back to reality television, mm. um, the food is rotten. Yeah. It's spoiled <laughs> because they don't want you because you're – they don't want you on reality television because – they do want you for you, but they want the worst parts of you, and they try to get the worst parts out of you. True. My hope is for 
this show, you know, growing up and being so influenced by the Steve Martins and the Lily Tomlins. And I was very fortunate to grow up in New York and be able to go and see that live. Cool. But now with the amazing Netflix and Amazons, I, I hope and pray that someone comes and films this and every person has access to see these people. And these what, watch your wish come true. Your right prayers now. have been answered. Have they? There's a network called the Stage Network. Oh, I love this. The Stage, <laughs> and you can go to the Stage Network or watchstage.com. Okay. And they're a brand new network online yeah. that is the Netflix of theater. Oh, that's great. So, what they do, um, they a couple of things. They produce original pieces, mm -hmm. they saw mine, and they were like, we want to produce it as a film experience yeah. so we just were it's launching on june 28th next week oh on the stage gosh, network that is fantastic and they also then they also have an archive of other theatrical productions from the past that they've licensed mm -hmm. like there's one up there right now meryl streep at the age of like 28 in some blurry play oh that's you know fantastic. that a john steinbeck play when she was a youngster that they've got up on there. So, and it, I think it's only like three ninety nine or four ninety nine a month. Oh, that's the so it's best subscription based. Five bucks yep. that you can spend. It's oh, like nice. the Netflix for theater. Well, that's and as a kid, I would go to the Lincoln Center Library and watch old plays. Cool. And it was, you know, I mean, for any young actor out there, I highly recommend that. But this is mm -hmm. fantastic. So now it is this voyeuristic feel of sitting in your little house and watching this and then being inspired to hopefully tell stories. Yeah. And you can keep your phone on the whole time. <laughs> right? And eat large <laughs> You can talk back to the screen That's if right. you want. Yeah. All right. Uh, Robert, how can people connect with the things that you're doing, including the bench, uh, and follow you around? They could get detained by the police and be brought into jails and prisons from okay. L.A. to New York. Um, um, a reason to get arrested. Uh, mm -hmm. Alternative plans. Yes. Um, they can go online. I have the bench play is where you'll get information about the, pen, the bench. Um, Galinsky Coaching is my other site, which mm -hmm. also lists all my other projects. Um, so if anybody needs... Coaching on their presentations, their whatever. The fun thing about me with coaching too is I like – I've discovered that I like coaching. It's called coaching when it's non-actors. Yeah. It's called directing when you're in a theater or in a film. So it's basically like directing but but people who have no experience acting. It's called psychiatry. In parts yeah. as well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so GalinskyCoaching.com and TheBenchPlay.com. Mm -hmm. Um June 28th on Stage Network, June 30th in L.A. doing The Bench, July 16th, another show in L.A., The Bench, October 5th in New York at United Solo. Fantastic. And on the Instagram and the Twitter. Instagram is Galinsky Place. It's most it, it's 99% just street art. I don't use it for my social <laughs> PR. <Yeah>. Facebook <laughs> and um, LinkedIn, I, that's what I'm putting. I push my stuff. I don't like to fawn over people sincerely, but I, I do feel – You like to fawn over are, them insincerely? I, I do. It's like – Am know. I about to get a taste of that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Robert. Oh, Robert, Robert Galenzi. Oh, God. Feels oh, good. Though. My Still God. feels good. Still feels great. <laughs> but I do feel you're a gem to the arts and 
there's just so much depth and it, I, I just so appreciate the chance to talk about these things with you. So thank you so much. And I wish you that, that next rung that you don't even know about yet is something that will feel like everything led to that moment. And it feels like it should have been there all along. And that that's exciting. And by the way, I personally feel, did you see Jerusalem? Yes. No. With uh, Mark Ryland? No. Ryland? Rylance. Rylance. Yeah. Um, literally one of probably the three best acting performances I've ever seen in my life. Really? Um, as well as, the, it was actually pretty cool to see it on Broadway and they had real turf on the stage. Yeah. You could oh, smell cool. the grass nice. and there was real trees they'd put up and it was, it was, it was a visceral performance. But Mark Rylance was in, extraordinary in he was show. phenomenal and and it made me say that is what acting can be i could see robert in the role that mark rylands played in oh, jerusalem so if you ever are approached it. about that yeah. you should you should jump at it okay uh i i see you being right for that kind of thing that's just my opinion I just as a fun fact about jerusalem i saw that play by myself and the man sitting next to me, the lights went out at the end of the play, and he stood up and shouted, that is what theater is, and he was blind. Oh. Beautiful. So thank you for giving yes. the voice to Voiceless. Yes. Thank you for inspiring people that are listening to do things that scare them. That's thank it. you. Thank you for honoring me with these incredibly – specific and wonderful questions and i really i it's been great to be able to because what you did today for me was started to dig out some new answers Fantastic. you know you made me seek and search for more truths so thank you thank you this is the talking part of funny people talking yeah <laughs> anyway uh was it? glad to have you here all right uh we'll take a quick pause when we come back it's the end of the show which you know what that means of course that means end of show food eating and challenge <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> we already have a theme song. We'll be right back up to this. It might just be what Melania uses to drown out the sobbing. This is Funny People Talking. All right, everybody, it is time for... End of show that's right. End of show food. Where Nobody our warned me about this. Producer Elsie uh, searches far and wide for interesting foods, snacks, and so forth that we can taste and rate and evaluate. And the way that this works, uh, first of all, I would like to say that a snack has been selected today that is respecting your dietary focus right now um if for some reason it doesn't work for you don't feel compelled to make yourself uncomfortable but i believe we may have stayed within the lines of what works for you in any event so the way that this works is elsie will tell us when we're allowed to taste after she explains what we've got and then uh and then each of us enjoys whatever it is that she's selected she searches far and wide and some of the things she finds are just crazy different and then we'll rate it on a scale of chickens, the number of chickens is up to you in the scale. It could be 5,000 chickens or 12 chickens, exactly. And, uh, and you rate it on a scale of chickens. And, um, and hopefully we'll have a winner or who knows. Okay. So 
Uh, Elsie, what do you have for us today? Um, well, this one is different because it's got two parts in it. Okay. Um, so I'm going to give the boring part first. Okay. So the boring part is um, Stacy's Pita Thin Sea Salt. Sorry not to offend Stacy's. It's just that many people have had these. It's not unusual. It's just – Pita Thins. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sort of I've a, actually yeah. never had I've not either. So well, then is, there you go. Yeah. All right. So the, the tasting of the new, hopefully, uh, thing, food, is um, <gasps> Boar's Head uh, Everything Bagel – Spread what? hummus. At so. Boar's Head, everything bagel everything. spread hummus. Yeah, hummus that so. tastes like everything bagel yeah. for your return to New York. Nice. Oh my gosh. So, um, so uh, I'm gonna do it up. And hummus yeah. is fairly healthy. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. So oh yeah. Figure that that might be in the realm. Of yeah, that's great. Oh, no, that's great. I am very curious for yep. this, what this tastes like. So I hope you like so, it. So Elsie's going to come around. And uh, now my while she does that, I'll say uh, my, my wife is um, uh, newly learned, married. Yes, newly married. Um, uh, but she is half Ashkenazi Jew based on her 23andMe. Yeah. Whatever. DNA. Test yeah. that she did. And she discovered that she's half. Askenazi Jew. Love that. And were you to meet her, you would never know. Never sense that. Why? Yeah. She looks Irish or what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's, um, uh, and and just you just never could see that coming. But you know, now she claims she, she can take all the Jewish holidays. But yeah. <laughs> so I guess I get nervous so. with all those twenty three and me's like that. You're in the system. Now. Yeah. Makes yeah. me nervous. Cloning. Yeah, clone it scares you. me a little bit. Well, it's funny because, you know, if you decide to be connected with other people, you can choose to be connected with other people who have done the, the system. Yeah. And, um, you know, you might find out you have 80 cousins out there yeah. and you can meet them if you want to. You can be connected if you mutually. Or date them. If you or want date yeah. them. I think that what's the limit? What's the, it depends yeah. on the county you live in, I guess, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, third, third cousin. <laughs> so are you uh, – uh, well, I know you have a brother, Philip. Is, yeah. is, is he your only sibling? Oh, no. Family of five boys. Wow. Oh, wow. Right? What do the other boys do? Uh, the oldest – they're all in sales management. So huh. the oldest brother uh, – does eyeglass frames. He manages a really great company, uh, Randy Jackson and Sophia Lorenz eyeglasses. Uh, nice. Daisy Fuentes. Cool. And then the next oldest brother, thank you, thank is you. a tech in technology with um, Sprint and other companies that are doing digital stuff. That's thank Andrew. You, yeah. And then George is the um, guy who is the VP of advertising and marketing at Mohegan Sun Gaming. Oh wow. wow. So, although I feel bad that we didn't give the eyeglass brother the same degree of wow. For some reason, the know, gaming got us. Yeah, why did yeah. that? You guys I gamblers? Know. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, we're in the arts. We're like, gamblers. Yeah. <laughs> and also my brother Andrew is a uh, a great musician as well. So Okay, so that, that's where the creatives there. are. Yeah. Mom, dad, creative at all? Mom, creative garden club. Yeah, okay. garden club. Yep, she did some felt paintings for a while, and oh gosh, lots of flower felt arrangements. Paintings, I've yeah. never That's heard so of that. Cool. And then dad, what's a felt painting? It's painting it's on felt. felt. Yeah, I've never it's heard of beautiful. That. Really? Yeah, it's usually, and it's yeah. not easy. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. I have a few of her pieces, and then it's not the same thing as the like the Elvis paintings. No, that that's no, no. no, but it's it's. Adjacent, yeah. as they say out in L.A. Texture, yeah. It's Elvis adjacent. <laughs> that guy, Rob, over there, he's so adjacent. <laughs> um, and my dad was a super guy, 
uh, science teacher, math mm-hmm. teacher, mm-hmm. chairman of the board of education. He was more of a community guy, wow. notary of public justice of the peace. Yeah. You know. Wow. Yeah. You were raised in a quite a traditional. Totally. Kind yeah. of thing. Totally. Suburban so, Connecticut. Yeah. Are you the only outlier? <laughs> My brother, Phil, is pretty much an outlier. Yeah. 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 All right. So back to – thank Elsie, thank you for putting a little place for, for all of us. Really appreciate you. it. So, oh, so sorry, talk to us. Anything, anything more to say or is this just tasting time? Um, oh, she's so sweet thanks. giving us napkins. I'm a, an animal. Thank you, Elsie. It's passing the sniff test. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're sniffing. It smells a little oh, it, bit. Like, it literally smells like an everything right? bagel. It smells like uh, walking into. You know uh, what? But from far away, it just smells like regular hummus. Mm-hmm. All right. So well, everyone close. got a little uh, plate of chips and hummus. Yeah. One, two, three, go. Russ and, Russ and daughters. <laughs> That's like the quickest we've ever gotten in with. Mmm. Mmm. You know, it's funny. It just tastes like hummus to yeah. me. Yeah. Same here. With a little bit of salt and pepper in it. Okay, but wait. Let's not use the pita chip. Use your finger. (laughs) Can I use your finger? Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Mm-hmm. But if you smell it up close, it Mm. literally smells like an everything bagel to me. It still tastes more like hummus to me. Really? Even with your finger? It has a hint of everything bagel. Yeah. I guess well, more of the onion when I'm just using it. Uh-huh. I would have more of this, though. This is pretty good. Yeah, it's good. It's um, really good. All right, so let's... Mm. Does yours have hair in it, too? Mine has little small <laughs> hairs. Yeah, but Sorry, it's... Sorry, I'm laying on your They're plate. tasty, actually. No. L- llama hair, though, so... All right. Let's go around and rate it on a scale of chickens. I'm going to start with you, Elsie, this time. How many would you give this? What's your scale? 71 out of 72. Well, what's the deduction for? Because it's not super <clears throat> everything-ish. Hmm. So it was an, it was an almost. Mm-hmm. It wasn't sca- everything. Your scale was? 72. Out of? Or 71 out of 72, she said. Yeah. Um, what about you, Kathy? 71 chickens out of 72 chickens. Hmm. But I like it. It's good. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can top Elsie's, but... You have to top it. You have your own individual I'll rating. I'll give it a 49 out of 51. You're, you're right near the top and not perfect yourself. Yeah. I enjoy it, but I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm, this is real food that I'm eating. <laughs> That's right. I eat frozen meals every day. So so basically, I'm devouring this and it having might be a really, mouth gasm. It might be really a 31, but it feels like a 49. Yep. Got it. Yep. Give me a glass of bourbon and I'm super happy. I'm going to go with a 912 out of 917. Oh. Um, there's really, I think the only deductions is for the lack of continuity between what it Everything. smells like and what it tastes like. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not a similar intensity. Robert? I'm going to go, uh, let's, 144, which is a gross. Oh. Uh, I would say that it is 100, maybe 95 mm. chickens. Ooh, wow. 144 chickens. Because of, I mean, it tastes fine, it tastes good, but I was let down that it didn't yeah. give me the everything bagel experience. So, so if you had experienced so. this in a vacuum where someone just, just said, hey, here's some cool hummus, and yeah. you're like, yum! But yeah, exactly. because you expected a specific taste, it yeah. fell short. Yep. Gotcha. Um, um, Emily, Emily, our intern, do you have any rating on this that you want to offer? Um, I think maybe 84 chickens out of 98. 84 out of Ooh. 98. That's still a similar reasoning? Yeah. 
I'm not much of a healthy food person, so I don't really have a lot of hummus. This ain't no Twinkie, but uh, <laughs> gotcha. But, um, I didn't, um, I could eat it all. All right, very good. Well, that's, I just that's did, guys. Very good. The whole dish is gone. It's now. gone. She ate the plastic as well, which yep. is very nice. So, all right. Well, that's it. Thank you very so much. That was a Elsie. success. Yeah, I, I yeah. like. It's so much of a success that as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to get more. Yeah. So, um, thank, thank you, you so much, Elsie. Good job. Thank you, Elsie. Yes. You're welcome. Um, don't think board head they didn't supply it. Or will they? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Thank you, board head. Thank you, Zenobia. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, Zenobia. Robert Galinsky, my friend, thank you very much for making us part of your New York trip and uh, joining us here. This was just a sheer pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I I made this part of my New York trip. Oh, it's exciting for me. So oh, thank, whoop, you. Whoop, for real. Whoop, whoop. thank you. Thank you. All right, and best of luck. Uh, can't wait to see the bench. Cool. Uh, thank you very much, Kathy Searle, what? for returning. Why, thank what? you so much. Well, much. It's always such a joy. You're so fun. You laughed oh. way less this time. but Well, because I sound like a crazy person with this voice right now. <laughs> She's like restraining herself. I <laughs> feel bad. People are going to be like, oi, can you just mute her? Because <laughs> it's like a weird, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so, so either. No, oh, thank, thank you, thank you thank so much you. for joining. It was really nice to see you. This me. was such a pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to be a, a funny person talking. Absolutely. And uh, thank you very much, Elsie, as always. Sure. All right. That's it for this episode of Funny People Talking. <laughs> I love you, Elsie. <laughs> Ciao. Uh, until next time, we'll, we'll see you next week with another wonderful guest. And until then, stay funny. Bye-bye. Exactly why tasers were invented. Get ready for funny people talking. Copyright 2019. No portion of the content may be reproduced or published without the strict written permission of the producers. Connect with our show at at Mouth Media Network or at our website, funnypeopletalking.com. I'm your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening.